Alright, here we go, episode 8 of the Deep 3 podcast. I'm here with Justin Vestal, uh, good longtime friend. And you know, maybe I just start picking who I'm going to have on here just so I can sit around and talk to people that I want to catch up with. Yeah, so, catch up. Justin, good to have you. Uh, teacher, coach, you've got a ministry role too now, so if you don't mind just sharing um, all the the roles and things that you uh, are, are doing right now, and then we'll get going. Uh, well, that's a that's a deep question. <laughs> I uh, didn't even realize it until we were having a meeting the other day about Summer Swim, just how many conflicts I have with my time right now. Um, I'm a history teacher at Fort Bush High School, uh, and with that, I'm also the head women's tennis coach, assistant swimming coach, and the junior civitan advisor, so like community service-based stuff for students. Um, during also, I have a role at uh, South Oak Ridge Baptist as the family and outreach minister now. I've been doing that for about a year, and then I have uh, I'm the head coach for the Yadkin Stingray Summer League team over at the County Park, and I've been doing that for probably five or six years now. You've got just a couple of things going on, just a few, just one a few. or two, <laughs> and I did great because you know we've got this agenda we're going by. I just skipped over the first one. Yeah, You've got a family too, right? <laughs> I do big family, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. My so my my mom and dad are jewels. They would do anything for anybody. They they always have for me. Um, couldn't ask for better parents, and they really instilled family values in us. My sisters are significantly older than me. You could definitely say I was a whoops. Uh, okay. Bit of a surprise. My, um, so I, I was an uncle at 12 years old, just in the, the age gap. And my sisters were 12 and 14 years older. So um, I really, you know, I didn't, my grandparents passed on at a relatively early age for me, but I had my sisters there sort of filling the gap. They were sort of older role models for me and they've, They've still been like second and third moms to me, and then their their husbands as well. Um, and I've got four nephews ranging in age from I'm trying to think now, nineteen no twenty to like five or six somewhere in there. So they're all over the place. So trying to keep up with them is quite a challenge, but it's fun. I heard what you said, but then to hear you say you have a twenty year old nephew, that was like yes. okay. Yeah, and you just said it, but that makes it put it really into perspective there for sure. Uh, and you are married as well. Yes, yes. Uh, that's the more recent of the bunch, I yes. guess you would say. Yes. Uh, about a year and a half, right at a year and a half now. No, a year and nine months. Sorry, I got to make it wrong. sure you're remembering this. Got to get it right. A year and nine months. Uh, so going on two years now that I've been married to Natalie, and uh, we've been together for a little over five years. So um, yeah, marriage is good. It was. One of the the most challenging decision we've had so far was which church do we go to, and that was that was sort of our big test early on. But other than that, um, you know, things have been going smooth. So well, you you had some good choices. Yes, yes, yes. Picking for <laughs> two really so good that's, churches. That's yeah. very good. Uh, so just thinking back on how we know each other, uh, my memories are of us uh, hanging out on Wednesday night with youth group, and you kind of became our. Um, I don't know what you call it. I would say worship guy, but in a sense of worship guy, we were just picking songs and singing over top of a, of a most of the time. So uh, can you remember any of those songs that we would have done? Yes, I. Um, that was, 
I was that was one of the first memories that came to mind for me because I I really didn't have a title. I felt like just the music guru, even though you were clearly the music guru. I was just sort of piggybacking. Um, but it got me. You know, we came along in the days of MySpace, and yes. goodness, I miss MySpace music. Uh, oh yeah, wow, for you could sure. Discover so much, but um, you know, the, one of the the song that instantly jumps out to me for whatever reason from that time that we put together was Marvelous Light. Mm. Uh, I remember that one distinctly, and I was always the one who was rolling in five to ten minutes late every Wednesday night because I had waited to the last minute to load the slides onto the jump drive, and I'm flying into church parking lot and parking it really quick and running in there, and like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm late, I'm always late, but uh, just flinging those slides up on the on the screen and, and making it work. But it was I really enjoyed it because it got me into new music and you would you would tell me an artist and I would go and dig a little bit and I would tell you one and I mean we just we discovered so much music that way did we do one uh I know I know this songs from that time period sleeping in yes yes no mm-hmm. who was that I don't remember who that nevertheless was. oh yeah yep that was a good one it was a great one yeah <laughs> trying to think uh gosh goodness I'll get off on this we sang some need to breathe songs mm-hmm. uh, a lot of David Crowder Crowder Man, I'm trying to think of one more. I can't. Th- I think this band changed their name, but I can't remember who it was. I'll think about it when we're done. Yep, probably. Yeah. But speaking <laughs> of being late, I mean, I'm always late. I was late right now when we started. So, uh, yeah. For, for my wife who's listening, she's like, nobody else can tell you about being late because you're always late. And that, is, <laughs> that is correct. So those were great times. You were such a help then, uh, for sure. It was just great to kind of see you grow during that time and, and what God's doing in your life now. So you were a great, great help. And I definitely don't remember being late because I'm sure we were running late anyway. So it was no no worries. But I remember those days of typing out slides in PowerPoint. And like now we've got, I don't know if you guys use, or we use ProPresenter. And I'm like, this is so easy. I hit like yeah. two buttons. And I was like, the hours we would spend doing yeah, stuff hours. like that. And there, there would be yeah. no, you know, some of these songs that we were, we were picking there was no A to Z lyrics or anything you no. could copy and paste from. You just had to listen to the song and type it as you heard the words. And, oh, yeah. It was rough. But, hey, it helped us to know the lyrics a lot better. It did. It so, did. Good stuff. Good it stuff. Did. So those were good times. Um, so we'll jump into the deep three. Uh, so first, uh, your favorite sports memory. And I will say this. I was saying this before we got on. You've got a very, let's see, unique sports palette, very mm-hmm. wide. You like a lot of things. Uh, that maybe the average person here doesn't hockey. Yes. Uh, I wouldn't say NASCAR is rare, but I don't know a lot of people that like hockey and NASCAR. I'm a, so, I'm a Southern delicacy. Yes. Yes. So yes. Uh, favorite sports memory? You may have a few. That's fine. What What do we got? I've got a list. Okay. Uh, so I'm gonna hit you with them. But yes, I'm an oddity in that I like uh, hockey and NASCAR, and and I can sort of get into where that comes from. But uh, I'll begin with my probably my earliest sports memory that really sticks out was in 19, and you'll appreciate this, 1999 when the Atkinville Scorpions won the state youth soccer title. Um, oh, wow. Oh, yeah. That yes. Was, that was good times. Um, we had, that was our third crack at it, and we finally, finally wow. broke through. Um, a lot of racing memories with my dad. We we went to a number of cup races growing up, but and we sort of backed off of that, and we just pretty much stick to Bowling Gray now, but... Uh, in 2003, we went to Rockingham, and I got to see my favorite driver, Matt Kenseth, win his only championship. He clinched it there. Wow. So that was 
that was a cool memory to share with dad. Um, 2005, North Carolina wins the national title, and I I was thinking to myself, you know, I didn't remember the 93 one because I was like four, but uh, I was thinking to myself, this might not ever happen again. i right. got to soak this up. Well, every game I watched that year, um, I, I watched a number of games, but every loss that they had, I was watching. So mm. I told myself, I cannot watch this tournament. I cannot watch a game of this tournament. So I secluded myself every game of the tournament. And the night of the national championship, I was in the bathtub, and I told my mom to come and get me when there was less than 10 seconds left. I would I would come watch, but not until then. And uh, that worked. I'm super superstitious, so it worked. I really appreciate you taking that, making oh, that sacrifice for the team. Sometimes you have to. Sometimes <laughs> you have to. Um, 2012 is where my first Bowman Gray memory kicks in. Any time, I'm a... I'm a Tim Brown fanatic because he used to work for my parents and I just grew up watching him, watching his entire career. And um, so any championship obviously was a big deal. But in 2012, we walked in the gates of the track and watched the last five laps of the first 25 lapper that night and witnessed him and Burt Myers cross the finish line sideways and the greatest finish I've ever seen. And of course, Tim won, so that made it even sweeter. Um, 2018, he swept uh, twin 50-lap races, which had only ever been done once before, sweeping both races in a night, so that was awesome. And then a couple years before that, I was there with my dad. It was a super nasty night. It was rainy and muggy, and there were storms coming, and we could see it. And it's just one of those deals where racers, they try to squeeze it in. Mm -hmm. So they were trying to get in as much of the race as they could, about lap 70, 71, uh, he passes Burt Myers on the out, on the outside at Bowman Gray, which is huge, um, and wins that race. Five laps later, the bottom falls out, and I've never been so happy leaving a racetrack soaking wet. So <laughs> it was great. Um, 2017, this is where hockey kicks in. I The Nashville Predators, my team, make it to the Stanley Cup final, and I told uh, my, my former roommate, now friend, um, Jordan Hawkham, I said, I got him into it, and he became a Preds fan, sort of adopted, and I said, man, I know we can't get into the game, but do you want to go and watch the game on the big screen on Broadway? And he was like, well, let me see what, you know, let me see what we can do. <laughs> yeah. And I was talking to people at work, and they were like, oh, man, you have to. You got to go. Like, this might not ever happen again. So I was like, oh, I think I'm going to do it. So we went and sat amongst 50,000 people and watched the game outside the arena. There were people selling tickets for exorbitant amounts of money, but... We sat outside and they won the game, uh, like six to two or something. It was just a great game to to sit outside for. Blazing hot, but yeah, uh, that was awesome. And then my most recent ones are just high school coaching. Um, getting to coach my oldest nephew and swim and go to regionals twice with him that was a really special memory. And then uh, this most recent one last season, which 2019, which feels weird to say now because we're just now getting started with tennis again. Um, but winning a conference championship, and that hadn't been done at school at, at Fort Bush since 1976, which neither of us were alive for. I think so that is a while back. If that, I wasn't alive, yeah, that that's felt, taking it back. Felt significant, um, yeah. especially considering. I mean, my first three years of coaching, we were 11 and 35 combined. I went back and looked at it, and I was like. You know, I never thought we would win one, and I right. said I would retire when we won one. Well, I don't. It didn't take as long as I thought it would, so you know, I got to keep going. But right. So many, so many. Those are good, and again, 
varied uh, in a lot of ways, but that very good mix between sharing things with your dad, uh, your friends, uh, playing in some of them, and then uh, watching some other ones, coaching some, so very, very good. So, all right. Got the sports went out. We'll come back to some sports in a little while. Oh, yeah. uh, but uh, what is thinking in terms of culture? What's something you can't get enough of right now? Well, there are two things that are connected. Um, and I'm going to sound like a middle schooler when I say this, but I'm okay with that because, you know, my music tastes often sound like that of a middle school girl. So <laughs> I'm good with it. Um, no shame. No shame. No shame. Um, I So back in October... Um, we, we ditched, I guess, regular cable a few years ago and went the streaming route with, with DirecTV now. And then that got too expensive. So we ditched that and we just do the, you know, the Disney plus the Paramount, all this random stuff now. And, uh, Peacock had just came out and it was free and we still just have the free version, but they were showing all the Harry Potter movies in October. And I just sort of looked at Natalie when I saw it come up and I was like, Let's do it. Like, okay, this is going to be tough, but you know we're not coaching right now. Let's do it. And uh, have you read the books? Well, that's where it's going. So okay, good. We we watch all the movies, and I was like, golly, these movies are just so good. I hadn't watched them all. Um, I've watched a few of them here and there, but never watched them all. And I had read the first book when it came out, and I was you know what eight years old maybe. And uh, then I just sort of stalled out. Once I saw how thick the books kept getting, I was oh, like, yeah. nah, I'm good. Like, I don't like reading that much. So I ditched it. And then it came back around. And I was like, you know, this would be a good time to try to read these books. Because I would sort of got back into recreational reading, if you want to call it that. And um, so I'm in the process. I, one, of my, one of my many... Um, resolutions for this year is to read through all the books and I'm in the middle of the fourth one right now but this is where they get huge Um, so it's taken a while but along those lines I'd always said you know I'd love to go to Disney uh, before I have kids I would just love an adult only Disney trip this would be awesome do what we want to do don't care what the kids want to do because they're not here (laughs) like this would be sweet so um, that led into, okay, we're going to plan a Disney Universal trip, and we're going to go this year because we don't have kids yet. And um, so reading those books on top of trying to plan a Disney trip, which we're planning for in July, and Universal as well, is sort of what's consuming my free time right now. It's um, it's, been, it's been fun, though. Um, you know, it's... It's, there's so much that goes into planning one of these trips, and I'm watching videos, and I'm listening to podcasts on it and trying to get everything together, and I know I'm still not going to be prepared, but that's got me. Yeah, there are people right who make a living of out of planning Disney trips for yes. people, so very interesting. Yes. And um, I will say this may get me uh, to have to do some of these things, because my <laughs> wife will probably hear this, so uh, I will let you know if I'm thanking you or... Uh, not so happy with you after we. My oh. wife loves Harry Potter. I've probably seen all the movies. I tend to zone out, so I should probably start at the beginning and actually pay attention. Part of it's crazy, just the time frame of them being made, how um, the quality of mm-hmm. the movies, the quality of the production, the special effects. Oh yeah. You know HD, like it's crazy as you watch them how how they differ. So so different. But the stories are all really good. I yeah. will say that. So okay, very interesting. I was I wasn't sure where you were going with that, but uh, <laughs> very cool. And uh, 
hopefully we'll have a trip soon. We will. We all have kids probably, but I'm gonna hit you up. Oh yeah. So oh, yeah. Uh, whether that you you might get back and need a you know a little side hustle and start playing trips with people. <laughs> yeah. There you go. You can pay for your own by plenty of other people. Now so. we're talking. Very cool. All right. So the third one, uh, obviously faith. Faith is important to both of us uh, for sure. So uh, what's something that God is teaching you right now? The biggest thing, and I, I just say this because it keeps coming up, um, it's like I can't avoid it, is uh, in our, uh, the Bible study we've been doing at church on Wednesday nights, I've been going through 1 Corinthians, and never in my wildest dreams did I imagine it would take me over a year to get through a book of the Bible, but it has. And um, we've been in chapter 15 here recently, talking where Paul's talking about the resurrection and our resurrection body. And I've never done that much really looking into it, and I, I really have enjoyed this study, uh, just better understanding the resurrection and how we will receive a new body when Jesus returns and this understanding of, you know, um, we don't know exactly for certain how it happens, but we can sort of assume that our spirits go on to heaven, but our bodies are left behind, and then when Jesus returns, our bodies are, are reunited, mm-hmm. and... Um, we were just sort of looking at how the Corinthians seem to be hung up on, well, what if a body is, you know, not word for word, but what if a body is mangled in a tragedy or, you know, well, these bodies have been dead for hundreds of years. They're, they're rotted corpses. How's God going to resurrect a body like this? And I always try to give a, an example that feels relevant. And the only thing I could come up with was, um, because I've seen them so much here recently, is worms. I was like, Man, like I see worms all the time now because it feels like all it's done for the past year and a half is rain. Yeah. So uh, just how our physical bodies are made for this earth, but they can't exist in heaven and how our heavenly bodies can't exist here on earth. And God has taught me so much about that through, you know, you look at a worm and they are made for the underground. Mm -hmm. They are made for the moisture and the darkness of what lies beneath the ground. And they come up to the surface. I didn't realize this till I did research. They come up to the surface to travel greater distances. You know, they realize, hey, there's moisture up top right now. We can skimpy across the road and not have to dodge the rocks and the soil, and we can cover a lot of ground faster and maybe find new food sources, maybe find another partner, something along those lines. I didn't realize that. They're doing it to get from point A to point B quicker. And it's because the environment has changed. But when that environment goes back to dry, of course, we see them shriveled up and dried up on the ground because our bodies aren't made for life on the outside. They're not made for life at the surface. And that was the greatest lesson I've learned because I just see now, you know, I see these worms on the sidewalk and I'm like, oh, man, you know, I hope you find the soil before this sun comes back out because your body's not made for this. Just like my body's not made for heaven. You know, when when the resurrection comes, you know, this body's gone. And, you know, thank heavens because it feels more and more broken down every day. Um, but, nah, you're you know. not that old yet. You can't be saying that yet. <laughs> I feel like I'm getting there. But, you know, it's it's a different body, and I, I just learned so much from that. And I was able to, you know, I was sharing with Natalie with, about it the other day when we were walking into school. Of course, it was, I'm doing temperature checks, and it's pouring down rain, and I'm like, hey, you see all those worms? Let me tell you a story, you know, and it's just been, it's been really cool just to learn more about the resurrection. And then... Not even thinking that we were reading through chapter 15 and boom, here it's Easter. So mm. that was just another cool connection. Very so. interesting. And right now, in my garage are 
I don't know, 50 shoulder up arms. I don't know where they find. <laughs> they end up in my garage when it rains. So I don't know where they're trying to travel faster, <laughs> but they're off course. So uh, there must be a lot out around my house. So that's interesting. I didn't know why they were uh, coming up like that. Very, very interesting. And just the 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 mysteries of heaven and, you know, eventually the new earth's coming will be on that. And I, that is interesting to think about. Like, I think, I'm pretty certain we'll recognize each other, but what age are we going to be? Yeah. What are we going to look? You know, what's, maybe it's the, uh, the optimal age is at the optimal. Your peak is like 27, so you have passed that, I'm Justin. Past the peak, so. But uh, <laughs> maybe it's that. I don't, I don't know. That's that's a great, great question. And just the power in of the resurrection, we talked about it last night, because uh, we were recording on... What even is today? Easter Saturday? Yeah. We're in the in-between right now, yeah. right? Sunday's coming. Uh, but we had service last night. We'll have one again, uh, three tomorrow. But we talked a lot about the resurrection. And, and actually, spoiler alert, I'll be preaching in a couple of weeks from Ephesians chapter 1, the second part of that, and just um, talking about that, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in us, that resurrection power is in us. So that's pretty... Uh, humbling to yeah, think absolutely. about and or also hey why have I not tapped into that a little bit more mm-hmm. for sure so that that is good stuff and I commend you for just crawling through I did middle school Bible study a long time ago at the fridge we were in Romans for it was a long <laughs> jump so I, I, I like going going slow and just go as fast as you can uh, or as slow as you need to mm-hmm. and I'll say I've listened to you some online uh, Facebook live really enjoy hearing you teach the word so uh, really it takes me back to those days of picking out music in the basement I'm like oh, yeah. this is this guy's come a long way and um, I'll throw this in there kind of as a segue how how's it benefited you do you think the connection between being a teacher and then teaching the word I'm sure that's that's played to your your benefit in some ways yeah it's um, I feel that and when I when I first started doing these Bible studies it felt I almost felt like I was naked up there because I didn't have my slideshow, you know, as a teacher. Oh, I've got to have that, oh, man. Oh, yeah. man. It's, yeah. it's, it's a prerequisite. you sure. got to have PowerPoint. Yeah. No matter how, how, you know, how much they say it's boring on the office, you know, you got to <laughs> have your PowerPoint. Yeah. And so I'm up there and I, I feel sort of, and I, I, don't, I don't like attention. I don't like the spotlight being on me. Um, one of my, one of my greatest joys that I got out of campus ministry um, was our campus ministry uh, in a lot of cases not always but in a lot of cases they would take the band I don't know how they did it um, just from a a timing thing but they would put the band scattered in the worship crowd with us you know you'd have the drums off to the right the lead guitarist off to the left they're just amongst us so that they are not at all the focus and I was blown away but I loved that because Mm -hmm. It helped me really center my focus, and I don't know how they did. Again, I don't know how they pulled that off. But in my classroom, thanks to the wonders of technology, I'm not at the front of the room much. You know, I'm at the back with my clicker, with my keyboard. I love just taking the back seat and letting the content sort of sort of be the focal point. But just teach, just sort of working through it and coming up with examples. I feel like the my background in teaching has just helped me so much with that. Um, I I could I'm no theologian. I, there are so many people 
you know, I, I get up on a Wednesday night and I see Dr. Beaver sitting there three rows in front of me and I'm, you know, I'm quivering in my boots. I'm like, holy cow, I'm, who am I to be standing here? Um, but, you know, you just do your best and, and you roll forward and, and you do what you can and, and trust that, that God's using you. Yeah, I think God's definitely using you. So keep up, keep up the good work for sure. Uh, so we've kind of talked through both these things already, but just... Uh, thinking through teaching uh, and coaching uh, as a ministry because I think God's using you in, in some powerful ways and you've seen success uh, on the court as well in the pool. I'm trying to think of what you're coaching. I'm like, you don't really say field. but no. <laughs> So uh, first thing I wanted to get into was how has that been uh, teaching high school and coaching high schoolers during the pandemic? I mean, it would be crazy for us not to talk about how uh, your life has been affected by that. It, it has been very uh, challenging in different ways. There have been, um, I think, just getting kids to have this college focus. You know, you're on the computer. You need to be checking your email regularly. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I didn't check my email until I got to college. You know, right. um, I didn't even hardly know what it was till I got to college. And then we're trying, you know, having them do online assignments and things like that. It's it's been difficult, a difficult transition because there's so much work that goes in on getting your stuff digitized and, and put online. But at the same time, there have been, I mean, immense blessings. I think I typically, you know, it is not unusual for me to have classes of 32 to 34, which is a lot. Yeah. Um, so this year, having classes of you know, 15, 17, I've even had a couple of, of really small classes of like seven and eight, which is unheard of with these split cohorts has been amazing because each group has their own, their own identity. You know, each class is so unique and so different. And I'll just give you one example. Last week, um, I think it was last week, it was right before Easter break. Um, I've got one class that is just, you know, dating crazy. Mm-hmm. They are, you know, all the boys are all about the girls. And uh, I t- they asked me my opinion about dating. And mm-hmm. I said, well, you let me give you the best piece of advice I could ever give you. And it was a Chip Ingram story that oh, yeah. I, I had learned from um, reading one of his books, uh, Love, Sex, and, and Lasting Relationships. And he talks about two pieces of cardboard that become glued together Mm. and he talks about your experiences you know sexually or or non-sexually with that person when you if you separate from that person you pull those two pieces of cardboard together where that glue was a piece of one piece of that cardboard is going to be stuck to the other one and vice versa you're never going to completely remove that experience with that person it's always going to be with you and I sat there and thought about it after I shared that story with them at the end of class one day. I was like, what other job would I be able to share, you know, this story with teenagers? So it was just, it was one of those moments where I, I was really appreciative of, of where I was. Yeah, that's one of my favorite, actually, was giving that example the other day. I have, in the past, um, taught abstinence for sixth graders, sixth grade boys. I love sixth graders, just not, I don't know, just, they're getting ready to make that turn into being a totally different person. Yes. But I think there's still, there's that innocence there. Um, so it's, you know, it's always awkward, but uh, I feel blessed to be able to do that. And that's something I talk about with them. Like, 
any connection you have with somebody, like you said, that bond is made when you pull apart, like, mm-hmm. good or bad, there's, you know, that person's going to be a part of you for the rest of your life. So that's, that's a great, great story. I wish, I wish I'd learned sooner, for yeah, sure. Yeah, so. most definitely. <laughs> um, and just thinking about that, as we talk, you go back to school on Tuesday, mm-hmm. you're going to have everybody, right? Yeah, everybody's back. I'll have uh, 31 in my fourth period again, so let the good times roll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll have them three feet apart there, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, for yeah. sure. Plenty of room. Yeah. So that, that is interesting, <laughs> the timing of this. We're actually going to go back to, to everybody being back in school, so I hope that, pray that goes, uh, that goes well for sure. Um, now you did mention uh, coaching tennis, winning that uh, conference championship. So I do like to have a, a few trivia questions mm-hmm. uh, before we dig into coaching a little bit more. So these are tennis trivia questions. Oh, I'm in trouble. Okay, so uh, first one: Where was tennis invented? Oh, my goodness, uh, it's got to be it's got to be Europe. Um, I would narrow it down to two. I would say it's got to be either England or France. I'm going to go England. You are correct. Okay. Okay, yes. Uh, so there was, and it's from a French game, so technically okay. either way I would have given you credit for it. <laughs> so I was reading the history a little bit. Um, but the All England Croquet Club uh, in 1877, they kind of formed this new game. And had a match there, or a tournament there um, as well. So, one for one. How about that? Good yeah. job. Um, okay, the I think they get easier, so you could just <laughs> roll with this. What is a, a term in tennis for the left side of the court? Oh gosh, you're uh, you're you're really challenging me here. Um, so that would be the. Ad side, I guess that you would say. That is the ad court, right? Because if you're... you got the deuce court on deuce the right. Deuce would be on the right, yeah. and if somebody gets that point, they have the advantage mm-hmm. on the starting from the left side is the ad court. Correct. Um, and I'll just ask you. I don't know the answer. I couldn't really find it. Why is tennis so weird? It's love, zero, 15, 30, 40... It makes it, it... What makes it worse, you think it's Game. bad when you're scoring it, is when you do tiebreakers... Yes. We ditch all rules yeah. and just count by ones. It's just points. And go to 10. And I'm like, why do we do, Why do we make this so difficult on these poor kids? Like, yeah. Because no, none of them ever know how to do a tiebreaker. And right. I'm like, we'll take care of it. But And then you switch sides after six Odd games. And then on the tiebreakers, tie every breaker. six points. Yes. It's <laughs> absurd. Yeah. So absurd. just play inside and then you don't have to worry about switching yeah. sides, right? Get right. all the elements out of the way. Yeah. So I, I, I couldn't find an answer to why it goes... Uh, 15, 30, no 40. Uh, as some were thinking, like, something to do with the clock and why you went back from 45 to 40, I, I don't think there's an answer. Mm-mm. If there is one, I don't know of a right, well, a good one. Why would you do that? Yeah. Okay, so, two for two. Last one. Um, what four tournaments make up the Grand Slam? Uh, okay, so you got the Australian Open. I'm not going to get the order right. Um, the I think Australian. that is first in the year, calendar year. So we got Australian. You have, um, I don't know which one's second. I'm going to go with Wimbledon, then French, then U.S. Correct. I'm not sure the order either. I think yeah. the first and last ones are right. I don't know yeah. about the middle two, but uh, that is right. So, And you're thinking there is the game's invented between France and 
Yep. England. So yep. three for three. I don't know if anyone's going three for three, Justin. So mm. congratulations. I'll take it. <laughs> congratulations on that. And if you can ever get me an answer on the scoring of tennis, I would love to know. I'll come back to you. Why in the world it is the way that it is? Uh, so a little thing with tennis and just maybe. For me, something that was different, I, I helped for a number of years coaching the uh, women's soccer team at Fort Bush. Loved it. We had some great success. So close to some state championships. Mm-hmm. Just couldn't quite pull it off. But um, coaching females, uh, I felt like it was a different ball game, but in a good way, I thought, most of the time. So what's been your experience with that? It, it has been, um, you know, initially I think there was – there was a lot of hesitancy amongst some of these. I don't even know if that's a word. Hesitancy um, sounds good to me. Sure, <laughs> uh, there was. It felt like not a lot of people wanted to come and play because the new coach. He's a guy. What do we think about this? Um, but it didn't take long for you know the numbers to turn around, and we started gaining numbers. And it was. It is. It, it's really. It's been fun because I feel like, you know, and I'll, I'll help with the guys every once in a while or coaching boys, you know, the boys in swimming. I, I get that aspect of it. But, um, you know, the girls are, they're passionate. There's a, I mean, there's a little more emotion involved, right. but I don't, I don't have a problem with that because it's sort of, they sort of remind me every once in a while, they say, coach, you're too serious. Like, you know, <laughs> just relax a little bit. And yeah. uh, that is, that is because they, they check me on that. They're like, just chill, relax, you know. Last year, they tested my patience. We had 15 matches that went to tiebreakers. We won 11 of them. Wow. Um, but we, you know, it was just crazy. They always tell me to relax. I'm like, well, I would relax if y'all would not put me <laughs> yeah. through this heart attack every time. But... It, I really can't explain it other than it is just a blessing, and they have allowed me really to be open about my faith with them. Um, you know, we share devotions, and I've been able to do this with swim as well. Um, Coach Buter hasn't objected to it at all, where after practice on Wednesdays, it's optional. You can come in if you want. Same thing we do about once a week with tennis. You know, it's totally optional, but... They always are supportive, share a little scripture, um, you know, and just talk things through. And if there's something going on with them, we can, you know, we can discuss it. And I love that. I feel like it's 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 a really open atmosphere where, you know, they're, they're not going to come to me about everything. And I totally right. understand that. But, um, you know, it's, it's a really open playing field where they share with me a lot more, I guess, than I would have ever imagined. And. And I, I don't, that devotional idea came from my wife. She started sharing okay. through softball and volleyball, yeah. and I was like, gosh, this is an opportunity. Why am I not doing this too? So uh, I thank you too, Natalie, for that one. Amazing how many things our wives can mm-hmm. just kind of drop little nuggets of wisdom and ideas yes. on us for sure. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'll kind of shift gears here. And, and I, was, I was talking with Justin. I sent him this kind of our outline right before – Roy Williams mm. announced his retirement, and I was definitely like, <laughs> I posted like, oh, like jokingly, I'll say April Fools. This is like yeah. the greatest April Fools joke <laughs> of all time, and I still held on hope until the four o'clock press conference mm. that it still was a joke. Yep. it's not a joke. Mm. But and I was listening to a podcast this morning before I came in, um, just about 
Uh, I think that Roy's been is sad. Like he pretty much said, "I'm not the guy for the job anymore." Mm-hmm. The dude's like one of the top four or five greatest coaches of all time. Uh, but just how the game has changed and kind of how he misses. Uh, like he was tight with those 05, 09 championship teams where you saw guys come in as freshmen, stay three or four years, uh, and really grow as people. I think he's really invested, was really invested in watching them grow as people. I mean, he started off coaching high school for a little bit, so um, it's just different. This one-and-done era is different. This year of you can transfer wherever you want to with no penalty uh, they're getting ready to get into you, you can make money off your likeness which I'm not necessarily against that but I get why that's different for Roy mm-hmm. so uh, they were just saying this is different for him because he takes joy in watching young men grow mm-hmm. go from young men to men as they leave the program so kind of that have you seen uh, things like that what are blessings you've seen and I would think most of them would be tied to people uh, in the classroom on the tennis court, in the swimming pool, any, mm-hmm. anything, stories that stick out to you like well, that? It's Roy saying that, I mean, if ever, you know, he's not the right guy for the job. I'm certainly not the right guy for the job. I'm <laughs> yeah. a self-taught, you know, just flinging it together through a series of clinics and, you know, YouTube and whatever else I can come up with. There, I am by no means uh, an expert on either of the sports that I coach. But, um, you know, I think that is... That's the cool thing, and that's what I love specifically about tennis. I think it would be great if we had middle school programs here, Um, but I do really enjoy watching these girls come in, typically as freshmen or sophomores. You know, every once in a while there will be an outlier, but usually as a freshman or sophomore, and they've never picked up a racket, and they're they're in a lot of cases terrified to come out. You know, they're they're scared because there's you know yeah there's girls out here that have played, but only for a couple of years and. I get to see them grow from barely being able to hit a ball to being a starter, you know, or, you know, and, and in the case of last year, we've built and we've built and we've built and we've always ran into the wall of, of Surrey Central or Atkins or West Stokes and we just can't get past them and then to break through. And that is, I love that, just being able to say, you know, we... I saw you at your infancy in this sport and you have come so far and you know these girls they share you know just some of the stuff that they'll share is just it's great like they'll you know I had one message me over the summer and say hey I just wanted to tell you that I got saved and I thought you would want to know and I was like Hmm. oh my gosh yes super excited for that Um, the stuff that they share and just to see I don't know, you know, them almost break down in tears because they've worked so hard and then they're able to achieve what they hope they would. It's it's really cool. And, um, you know, I, I tell them, I told them in the years prior, I said, you know, should we win a conference championship? We win one. If we don't, we don't. I said, you know, um, I watched Cars last night on Disney+. Plus, So, <laughs> you know, it sort of reminded me, at the end of the day, it's just a number on a banner. It's a plaque. As they say in cars, that's an empty cup. You know, it's going to be forgotten eventually. Um, I just hope that you grew as a person while you're out here. I hope that you had fun. I hope that you know you take tennis as a lifelong sport and you enjoy it, and that you can come back and visit us and practice with us anytime. You know, because I'll be coaching on these courts until I'm 
dead probably. So just come on back whenever, and um, I just hope they, they get a good experience out of it. Yeah, and sometimes I just thought of with with tennis uh, and with swing swimming. I mean, you've got doubles and you've got relays, but it's an individual mm-hmm. sport in a lot of ways. So I could see how that is a little more terrifying when you haven't played before, and like it's not like you can be one of five or nine or 11 people yeah. uh, it's like it's you mm-hmm. and your racket and the other person standing across the net from you yeah. or the other people lined up to jump in the pool with you and mm-hmm. you know it's all on you oh yeah kind of like wrestling in, in a sense but uh, how have you seen that as maybe being a little bit uh, different and even maybe leading to seeing so much growth in, this, in, in somebody because it's so such an individual thing yeah it's it's really cool how I'll, I'll go off on swim here for a minute. You know, you see these, and and we get the same thing. We uh, usually this year was different because our numbers got crunched because of COVID. Um, but usually we will have three, four, maybe five swimmers come out who have never swam on a team, or they don't even really know how to swim, but they're willing to risk. I mean, and I commend them for it. You know, they want to learn and they want to come out. And sometimes they're seniors. Right. And they're like, I don't know how to swim, but I'd love to learn how. And so we're like, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll roll with it. And they, you know, they get so much from it just seeing they don't, you know, obviously there are some very prototypical swimmer bodies out there. They're tall, they're lean, they, you know, they look the part. They've, you can tell that they, they practice all the time. And then you've got some who have just started out and they're still trying to learn how to dive. They're still trying to learn how to, you know, do a flip turn, all this stuff. And they get up there on that block and they just go for it. And, you know, I commend them for that because I had some swim experience before I started high school swimming and I was still terrified. I still felt the urge to pee every time I got on the block. (laughs) And, you know, I, I hadn't drank anything in a while. I'd been to the bathroom. (laughs) Where is this coming from? But... They do it, and, uh, you know, those that they're just, they show so much bravery and courage. I love that. Very cool. That's that's awesome to, to think about that. People just jumping, literally taking a taking a, a dive, take a leap. That's a Justin Vestal song oh. that many people may not know about. <laughs> yes. Justin, I should have got you a keyboard in here. We could have had a song. But Back to the archives. Right, yes. leaping into the, the pool, whatever <laughs> it may be. Um, okay, so kind of last thing I want to talk about uh, would be, the Hornets. Mm-hmm. Got a love for the Hornets. I'm wearing my retro 1995 Hornets hoodie right now. You guys, you can't you can't see it, but it is on. Okay, so you're um, blending in with the wall right now. That is like, true. That collab blue wall. Perfect. That is very true. Um, so I want to start with we took a trip together uh, to Bobcats playoff game. First one ever. Uh, first one ever against the Magic. Mm-hmm. The game didn't go so well. Did not. Uh, but I have a very uh, vivid memory of that game. Um, I'd I like to hear your recollection same. of it. <laughs> you got this the t-shirt memory. cannon, yeah. right? So I'm always love the t-shirt cannon. I'm like, come on, let's get a free shirt, right? Free stuff. People go up and dance for free stuff. So we're sitting there, and shirt comes flying up. I was like, oh gosh, it's coming right to us, right to us. I mean, it hits it hits Justin in the hands. I mean, like if he if he wouldn't stuck his hands up, it would have hit him in the chest to catch it. So. <laughs> How early in the game was this? This was pretty early in the game, I think. Oh, it couldn't have been later than the second quarter. Okay, so, yeah, it, it, 
I remember it because of the length of the rest of the story. That the lady behind us, who I think had had some beverages mm-hmm. uh, before, maybe during the game, uh, I never even looked at her. I don't know what she looks like. You no. might have looked at her. I never looked at her. <laughs> but the whole time was talking about that she couldn't believe that somebody would steal a shirt from a woman. Mm-hmm. So you were that guy, but guaranteed that. 100% you didn't take it from mm-hmm. her. It went right to you. Yep. So, yeah, Any any this, you still think about that often. That, that oh, hits yeah. my mind a lot. Oh, yeah, I think about that story. Um because when you when you popped up when you on this uh, outline I saw the trip to the Bobcats playoff game I said I hope he has the same memory I do because it's the only thing I remember from that trip because yes. uh, the game was totally forgettable but yeah it, and I knew when this thing came to me I was like I don't ever win anything yeah. I don't care what this woman says she's not getting this shirt like right. no we we got a free shirt just for being there yes we did get a white t-shirt. Um, but this one was a gray one, and typically the T-shirt cannon shirts are, you know, XL, double XL. They're typically very large shirts. Yeah. Well, I unpopped this one from the rubber band, and it was large, and I was like, nah, she ain't getting this. Like, this is my size. So I just sat there, and she was giving me the business. I mean, for three quarters of that game. But I stood my ground. I was like... Just because she's being so obnoxious, there's no way she's getting this shirt now. Um, I was waiting on a beverage to come down my back at some point, but thankfully it never did. But yes, oh, never forget that. And I'm pretty sure, I don't know if you remember this, but I think we sort of pioneered the Kraft Burger trend because you took us to a obscure burger joint in downtown, in uptown, sorry, uptown Charlotte, uh, that it was the first place I either got, I'm pretty sure it was the first place I ever had egg on a burger. Okay. And I feel like you got pimento cheese on your burger. Okay. And we were, we, we ate there before the game, and uh, that was the other thing that stuck out to me. I was like, oh, we had some interesting burgers on that trip. I don't too. remember that, but Kraft Burgers, definitely yeah. a thing now for sure. So, yeah. and an egg on a burger, it's hard to top that. I can't believe I didn't get that. Yeah. Well, pimento cheese is good too. <laughs> yeah. uh, and there's some good pimento cheese. Uh, Trade and Try On is a brand made in Charlotte of pimento cheese. It's very good. Uh, but, yeah, that is the memory. So, I mean, I will agree there was – it was hard because the game was bad and because of this other thing to even remember much about the game. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> but uh, we are legit Hornets fans. I mean, we were Bobcats fans. That's when you know you're trying to Bobcats fans. So, um, yeah, uh, so – your take on the team this year, man, we stunk it up on TNT the other night. I was mm-hmm. so sad when we got national TV and just played really just a terrible first quarter. Came bounce back one last night. Um, LaMelo's out. Just overall, what, what's your take on our team this year? We're, we're very relevant. We're number four in the East right now. But uh, what do you think about this year and maybe the years to come for the Hornets? Now, I, will, I will preface this by saying that I have become much more of a casual sports watcher than I used to be. Now that we've, you know, we've cut cable, I'm I'm typically watching YouTube highlights of games right. the next morning, um, stuff like that. But I definitely do keep up. I still get all the notifications and I'm checking stats and things like that. But it is, it's nice to be relevant again. I mean, yeah. you know, to be in the playoff hunt and uh, I don't, I'm not sure about you, but I was very, 
hesitant when they made the pick of LaMelo at three. I didn't really know who else was out there. Yeah. Um, now, I wanted James Wiseman for sure. I was hoping yeah. that he would fall down to number three for sure. Yeah, and I was like, uh, you know, just – and it really just based on not his skill, but just, you know, his family. And right. The, the circus that sort of surrounds that sometimes. And I was like, oh, I don't know if this is the right fit. Um, but he has pleasantly surprised me, um, you know, Obviously, there's some to be desired on defense, but just an offensive wizard. And I heard people saying that at the deadline we needed to trade, you know, Terry Rozier. And I was like, oh my gosh, no, don't do that. Like he's he's an offensive stud for us. I was unsure about the Gordon Hayward signing for so much money. Right. That's worked out until you know, hopefully this ankle sprain or whatever it was last night oh, is yeah. is nothing severe. But it is it is such a close. You know, from fourth to eighth is so tight, and I'm oh like, yeah, even down like to like eleventh, it's yes, all really close. It is, yeah. a, it is, it is close in there, but I feel pretty good about their playoff chances. Just to be there this year, I think would be an achievement. And then maybe if they can add some depth, you know, down low and right. with the with the forwards and and centers, I think you know maybe maybe the future is bright here. But uh, I love Miles Bridges. I love oh, High Flyer. I love that. He had a great dunk last night. I don't know how he caught that ball. Rozier threw one up to him. I don't know how he caught it and slammed it. Yeah. He's been playing really, really, really well. Mm -hmm. Devontae Graham's getting back in there. He was out for a bit. That was kind of my concern with LaMelo. I was like, I thought Devontae's pretty good. Mm -hmm. We've got Malik, who's out now too. But um, just maybe we needed something other than a guard. But, I mean, it's, it's obviously worked. Oh, yeah. Uh, and Lamelo is just what nineteen years old. Mm-hmm. That's crazy to think about. Uh, and, and and I I had a time forgetting. I mean, I, I know the ball family, but he was the one in high school that would shoot the half court shots. Like mm-hmm. he pulled up a shot off the opening tip of a game and hit it from the half court. And I'm like, but he he's been really really good. So uh, we'll see. Uh, I'll, I'll get you. What's your prediction? Are we going to make the playoffs? You want to guess a a seed? And do we have a chance to win a series? I think you know. Just with these injuries piling up, I don't. I really don't see us holding on to the four. Uh, I'm gonna be. I do think we'll make it. I'm gonna sort of go in the middle here and say we'll get the six seed, um, which I think facing any of those top three is yeah. just a, you know, it's a nightmare. But maybe you know, maybe we squeak out a game and and lose in five, which I'd be totally okay with yeah. this year. Um, but and I don't even know the playoff format may have changed with COVID. They may be bringing in more teams. I'm not even sure. It's been weird with hockey, but right. um, yeah, I think we'll make it in. They do have this year uh, the play in. So it's top six is guaranteed. So I'm glad you said six. Okay, You're good. in. Uh, seven plays eight in a playoff game. Whoever wins that is in. Um, nine plays ten. Whoever wins that plays the loser of seven and eight. Oh my goodness. For the eighth seed. So potentially could be seventh and be out, or be tenth and be in. So that's how it's working. I wasn't sure the format. I knew that it was seven through ten was a playoff, but that's how it works. Well, we need that six then. Definitely want to get number six, (laughs) right? Or hey, can you get? I would take that. But what if you got seven, got bounced out, and then won the lottery? Oh yeah, yeah. We would would, say no to that. I would take that for sure. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to to seeing what happens. They are a fun team. Uh, to watch for sure. I think we've got a good coach. Um, I don't want to bash too much, but Biz McBiombo, I would say he's got to be a nice guy. Yeah. 
Yeah. He is a nice guy. He seems to be a good teammate. He'll throw in a block or a dunk every now and again. Mm-hmm. But I, <laughs> I'm amazed at how many millions of dollars Bismack Biombo has made. Yes. At being, I don't even say mediocre <laughs> basketball. And it, it looks like maybe they're making the the changeover to Brad Wanamaker a little bit more because yeah. I saw he got some minutes last night. So I don't know. But. Yeah. So. Anyway, Viz is a nice guy. The worst plus minus of, since he started in the NBA of any player. Wow. Viz Nakpiombo. Wow. Who, if you remember, was picked before Kemba Walker. They had two draft picks that year. Two lottery picks. They picked Viz Mac first. And we've gone back to Viz. Again. Again. <laughs> he seems to be a super nice guy. And he he tries hard. So mm-hmm. I can't fault him at that. But we do need somebody else down low. I'll mm-hmm. just say that. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, well, that that's all I've got. Any other things sports wise? Anything else you want to talk about? while I've got you on. There's a there's a couple more tidbits I'm going to hit on. Okay. Um, first off is is really just the advice that I share with um, with my girls when they graduate, my seniors. Uh, there's a number of points I make, but the the biggest one that I make it is sort of. It, it sort of came uh, from a quote I saw a few years ago. It was a biking team that used this this quote. Um, and we sort of adopted it as our team mantra that season, and it's really stuck, and it's be 1% better than yesterday. And, you know, whatever, whatever it is you're doing, you know, whether it's school or work or whatever, just try to be a little bit better than yesterday. You don't have to knock it out of the park the very next day. Um, you know, but learn from your mistakes and, and try to improve, try to be better. And I learned so much, um, not really with that quote in, in mind, but so much when I came out of college, um, I was chasing dollar signs. I was really, I had, I'd gone for my, my undergrad degree was in education. It wasn't in history ed. And I had this, had these dreams of, of being Mr. Feeney, you know, mm. that was my, I, I've had a number of teaching influences along the way, but man, I wanted to be Mr. Feeney, uh, not moving schools constantly, but I wanted to be Mr. Right. Feeney. And, uh, so, but when I, when I graduated, you know, the teaching market was kind of bleak and I was like, oh, I'm just going to go and, and get my graduate degree while I'm, while I'm here and not have to go back. And I was seeing dollar signs and I was, I was trying to move away and, and just make money for the heck of it, just because I thought money was happiness. And uh, it didn't take long for me to realize I'd, I'd went and did a job interview and something that was completely not me. And um, I was like, I can't do this. Like, this is not me. I'm trying to be somebody I'm not. And everybody's different. You know, for me, family is, is essential. Family's at the core. And I knew I would have been miserable not watching my nephews grow up. So I said, what am I doing? I need to go back home. I need to, you know, set my roots where they've been all my life and and be me. I'm going to be wildly uncomfortable and miserable if I do this elsewhere. And so I came back, you know, God works things out. I was in sheets one night uh, walking through. I don't know what I was looking for. And I ran across Mr. Huggins and he's. I was working um, in Forsyth County at the time and he said, uh, what are you doing now? And I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm working for South County. And he said, well, you know, I think we're going to have some history positions open up at the high school. You mm-hmm. might want to keep your ears open. Uh, you know, so my, my ears perked up and I was like, okay. And, you know, through just the way the, the stars aligned and I fully believe it was a God thing, I wind up back at Fort Bush and 
uh, you know, doing what I love, being Mr. Feeney, you know, I don't care if I'm a celebrity to anybody, as long as, you know, I'm a role model to these kids, that's all that really matters to me. And I'm watching my nephews grow up and I'm with my family. So, you know, I encourage people just to be yourself. You know, if if living here the rest of your life in Yagan County is, is for you, it's for, you know, it's for us. Sure, uh, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to live life anywhere else. Um, for some of you that, that calls you elsewhere, maybe that's a ministry call, whatever it is, but just embrace it. Whatever, you know, your life's calling is, roll with it. And then other side notes, I couldn't leave these memories out okay. of, of us. Right. Um, our trip to Haiti. Back. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> I don't even remember what year that was. What um, was that? 2009, maybe? Is that too far back? 10? I think it's 2009, yeah. 2009. 2009, that's right. Uh, yeah, it was. That was, yeah. uh, and again, it's one of those trips where what are the memories that stick out to you? Well, Johnny Shore breaking the sink. Uh, <laughs> I forget that, just falling off the wall. Um, you know, there was there was a lot of great ministry there. Um but I, I do distinctly remember uh, Tony Snow when we got to the hotel room in Atlanta when we were staying there overnight for the, the trip. We were getting ready to hop on the plane the next morning, and he had all his luggage vacuum sealed. And yes. he pulled out that stuff. <laughs> we said, Tony, how are you going to get all that back in your back? You don't have your vacuum sealer. And it suddenly dawned on him. <laughs> oh, my gosh, you're right. And I had to leave a lot of stuff behind, but I... I love that trip, and um, then also probably the most the the concert memory that sticks with me the most oh, wow. out of ours yeah. would have been you two. Oh gosh, Carson. yeah. Um, you know, we're standing down there on the field, right there at the stage. It was like, an, I mean, I'd never felt. I thought this must be what a heart attack feels like because my mm. chest shook like viciously when that bass kicked in yeah and it was amazing something I'd, I never thought I'd be able to see you two in person uh, and the fact that we were able to do that man that was awesome so. mm. that was the best thing that's ever happened in NC State absolutely State. yes <laughs> yes 100% <laughs> that was great Muse opened up and they were mm-hmm. rocking it and then I mean you two is just something so special about that band and so many songs that you know they're of the of the faith i mean really but just i don't just the presence of bono on stage is Mm -hmm. just it's so captivating um you know and for me a little glimpse a small glimpse and into what we're looking forward to like i don't know (laughs) singing the praise of god forever i mean i know not all their songs are about god i mean but some of them clearly are and it's how much better is it going to be for eternity if Mm -hmm. like that's what we get <laughs> at a football stadium. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. So yeah, man, I had almost forgotten about that one trip to Haiti. That was <laughs> so good hot. times. So, so hot. hot. <laughs> I remember uh, eating hot sauce and touching my face, and my yes, face burned yes. for days. <laughs> uh, I think you resorted to some freeze dried meals mm-hmm. uh, a little bit. You brought some some astronaut food, which yep. was actually helpful yep. <laughs> at times for everybody. So we were introduced to bags of water. The bag so, of water, yeah. wow. <laughs> wow, yes. I do not think I've ever been so hot in my life. Uh, I did preach a couple messages on that trip. Probably the first I've done like that with an interpreter. And I remember one time I went like, I took a, a turn in what I was going to say. 
that we hadn't talked about. And he looked at me like, what are you doing? Because, I mean, as an interpreter, you kind of want to know yeah. what's coming next. So, man, yeah, those, those were good times. And uh, I don't think I've been on a trip like that since since then. I went to Ethiopia that year. It was a crazy year for me, too. But um, I hadn't got a chance to travel like that in a while. So, wow, good times. Mm-hmm. And that was 12 years ago? Wow. It's wild. That is crazy. That is crazy. Uh, there's been a lot of a lot of good memories, and thank you for reminding me of some that in my older age I have maybe forgotten. <laughs> but good times, and uh, I just I just love having you on. I really appreciate who you are, who you've been in my life, and just the influence that you have. And I love what you said there at the end was something uh, that people need to take with them, like be who you are, and. Like that's not an excuse to be a poor version of who you are. Mm-hmm. Do be a great version of yourself. Grow where God's planted you, and it's mm-hmm. okay to be a small town oh, yeah. guy for your life. And and it's much more about how you live than where you're living. Yeah, right? it's the the quote I heard that that sort of reaffirmed you know being here for me was uh, we're not all called across the ocean, but we're all called across the street. Mm. You know, it's we, there's ministry that can be done wherever we are. So, yeah. Well, I think you're doing a great job, and uh, I love the fact that you are at Forbush, and hopefully my kids will come through and, and have Mr. Feeney, Mr. Vestal. Hey, I've still got 23 years. years till retirement, So, but who's counting? You who's, know? Count, so who's counting, right? I'll still be You there. just get started. Yeah, yeah. But thank you. I, I don't feel worthy of sitting in this chair, so thank you for, for the influence you've been on me and, and for the guidance and leadership and all the way back to my my youth days at at South Oak, it's been, you know, it's a blessing to still have still have you here and and doing ministry and doing God's work. So yeah. awesome! And thank you so much again. Thank you guys for listening. It's episode eight. We'll be back soon with the next one. Uh, so until next time, we'll uh, sign off. We'll see you again soon.